The scripture today is from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Now in that same region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praying God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. Good morning. I've had a flashback this morning that I need to wrestle with a little bit before I preach. And it has to do with the greeting, Merry Christmas, and it has to do even with the word Mary. Um, some years ago, as you know, I've been several places and done ministry, and one of the places where I was doing ministry, which I won't name in this uh, utterance, uh, one of my elders one day in Bible study just said in passing, Christmas is for the kids. Which would have been good word if he was saying at Christmas we seek to do good things with and for our kids. But he was dismissing as an elder of the Christian church, disciples of Christ, he was dismissing the significance of Christmas in the life of adults. Back to that word Mary, back to Merry Christmas. Um, we've got these thoughts and feelings about what folks ought to feel and say and do, and it occurred to me that we are seldom voluntarily merry. Uh, we don't even have a vocabulary that talks about Mary apart from Christmas. We have plenty of happy, happy birthday, happy New Year's, happy Fourth of July, happy all kinds of things, but Mary seems to be something we pull out of mothballs once a year and assign it to Christmas, and Merry Christmas therefore becomes a duty rather than an actual joyful response to the goodness of the Lord. As I say that, I'm not looking at smiles coming back. We're not really merry. I don't know, even know if we know how to be merry. Maybe we associate it with our understanding of Christmas, which is for the kids and not claim Christmas as an important life-rendering event for adults who still need the love of God in order to make it. That's not my sermon, though. I just had that flashback, and I couldn't go on until I dealt with it for a minute. My sermon is 
afraid of angels. Afraid of angels, as you listened attentively to the reading of the scripture, there was a phrase in there that if we were in the King James, it would have said the shepherds were sore afraid. They were sore afraid. The shepherds were on their job. They were watching their sheep. And this angel came, and it says they were afraid. They were on the job, but somehow they did not recognize when the angel came that that told them so was God on the job. On the job doing what shepherds need to do on this hand, on the job doing what angels need to do on the other hand, but at that moment they were not acquainted with visitations from God or messengers from God in a way that they viewed it as good news when an angel showed up. How many of us would celebrate the arrival of a, an identifiable angel or would we try to figure out how to cope with the angel? God sent an angel and that wasn't unusual for God, but it was not an everyday kind of experience. We call it a cataclysm when God shows up or a messenger from God shows up. And those events are few enough and far enough in between that we really don't have a protocol. We don't know what to do when angels show up but we don't need to ever fear the word of God or a messenger from God. God often sent angels. God sent Gabriel to Zechariah. God sent an angel who wrestled with Jacob. God sent an angel to Joshua to tell him how to defeat, uh, how to capture Jericho. God sent Gideon to lead the people into battle. God is often sending angels. As Peter was in prison, the angel showed up and led him out of prison. Mary, the mother of Jesus, had a conversation with Gabriel, the angel. God often sent angels. Angels, on this occasion, announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. They knew that there was to be a savior. They had spent generations waiting for a savior. And the angel's message was essentially, the wait is over. Why would that be a frightening message? Except that we had lost touch with God and God's angels. We lost touch. We no longer were expecting to hear from the Lord by the time we found ourselves dutifully on the job guarding the sheep but not dutifully developing our spiritual lives and our spiritual understanding to the point where the arrival of an angel was good news. What would any of you do today if an angel came and visited you on the way home from church? 
Do any of you have a notion of how to treat an angel, how to receive an angel, even what to say to an angel? They were afraid of angels. Now, we glorify and romanticize the Christmas story a lot. We need to recognize that there really isn't a lot more churchy type understanding in the minds of anybody in the nativity story. Herod enters into the story and he sees the potential of Jesus coming as the king of kings as a threatening thing. We don't need another king for me to compete with was the attitude of Herod. And he took action to try and kill this new king. The magi, those we call the wise men, as they came, did not come, though it says they came and worshipped him. Worship him here is not a religious occasion of worshipping. The magi understood this as an academic reality. They had studied astrology. They were more interested in following the star than in finding a message from the Lord. It was an adventure for the Magi. Now the shepherds are both curious and aggravated for this angel has come while I'm on my job and they've interrupted my work, or this angel has. Those in the story are not a flock of people worshiping the Lord, even worshiped to the extent that the wise men worshiped and brought gifts appropriate to the protocol of three kings. Angels should be welcome. We've got to understand them better in order to welcome them. If you think about the people who might on occasion ring your doorbell, who is it that you truly welcome? We don't welcome those who are unexpected. We don't welcome those who have something to sell. We don't welcome those who try to bring us a message even from the church, even from our own church. There's too much restraint in our welcome for it to actually be understood as welcome. Angels should be welcome. There is no occasion in scripture where God sends an angel to do harm. Sometimes angels bring bad news, but that's the bad news that announces God's response to our mischief to our misbehavior, to our disobedience. Sometimes God has sent an angel to tell us, you flunked the exam. But that's news about what we've been doing. Angels should be welcome. One reason that angels should be welcome is this statement, which I claim as true. We can't be comfortable with God while fearing God's angels. 
God does not often show up on our doorstep. The coming of Jesus as the Christ is the only case of having a physical manifestation of God for us to relate to. And at this time and on every day of your life and mine, God has communicated more with angels and through scripture than with a physical presence in our homes or even in our churches. So angels should be welcome. Those are the messengers God is now using to talk to you and to talk to me. We fear angels, though. We are like the shepherds. We are afraid of angels because of the mystery of the angels. We also fear scripture. How many folks stay out of various scriptures. I, I often cite the book of Revelation as the perfect example of where most Christians are afraid to even turn the page. But it's not just Revelation. There's another batch of believers who have come to terms with the New Testament and think that they no longer need the Old Testament. There are those who prefer the Gospel of Matthew so they don't bother with Mark, Luke, and John. Those who have, don't understand the ministry of Paul and so we don't go into the epistles. We fear angels but we also fear scripture. And if any of you have ever attended a board meeting in any church on earth, we will discover we fear ministry. We fear going where God tells us to go. We fear doing what God tells us to do. And yet, being the church requires that we receive these messages, and angels are messengers after all. We fear the response of the world around us. How many of us forget the vocabulary of the faith when we're on our jobs? How many of us have had occasion to have some person who we consider to be a friend express surprise when they find out we've got a church home because we've hidden it so well. We fear scripture. We fear ministry. We fear worldly responses. Of course, we fear angels. We fear God, but not in the way scripture invites us to. We fear God because we have chosen to know so little about God that we don't trust what God may ask us to do. And God may respond to our choice of not to do things with a response we don't welcome. This is a Christmas sermon. And sermons are supposed to be good news and I'm determined to make this good news because there's something we can do about everything I've said. Jesus is a mystery. He has been misunderstood, misquoted, and mistrusted. Let's get reacquainted. 
let's throw a party and invite Jesus over and sit and talk with Jesus and listen to Jesus and hear from Jesus the news of who Jesus is and what Jesus brings into our lives is good news, but we've got to move past all the ways we have warped the message and hidden from God's truth, so let's get reacquainted. God's greatest gift is this gospel story that Jesus not only came to preach to us but lived out that gospel message. Jesus is our greatest hope, the world's greatest reality. All we've got to do to get past whatever dire understanding there is of the gospel message or the Christmas event or the coming of angels is to get to know the truth of it. The truth is, God loves me so much to go through all this trouble. The truth is, Jesus brought with him a bag full of miracles, a bag full of love, a bag full of forgiveness, and a bag full of opportunity. Jesus was better than Santa Claus. Listen and trust the angels. Walk with Jesus. Come to understand what it is to be merry because it's Christmas. I guess the story is good news after all. And so I'll say to you with what I hope is a different understanding than when I stood, Merry Christmas.